Okay, guys, so you're listening to the Empowered Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Laura. Honestly, for today's episode, I am kind of nervous to record this. In fact, my hands are shaking a little bit, but it's okay. I'm going to speak about this anyway. And I think the main reason that I'm feeling nervous is because I don't really feel all that qualified to talk about today's topic. And I, I kind of have a lot of imposter syndrome around talking about this particular topic. But the reality is, is that this is my lived experience. It's my story. I'm not by any means a certified expert, but I am allowed to share my story. And honestly, what I wouldn't give to have heard someone shared this kind of story when I was younger. That's kind of what is giving me the courage to record this episode today, because I really think that younger me could have benefited from this type of story. A quick note before we get into the episode, because disclaimers and trigger warnings are really important, especially around these types of sensitive topics. So, Just so you guys are fully aware, going into this episode, it's going to cover conversations surrounding eating disorders, restrictive eating, over-exercising, under-eating, body image talks, a little bit about body dysmorphia, um, briefly talking about bulimia, and we're also going to talk about period loss. So if any of those topics are triggering for you, please use your own discretion in listening to today's episode. If any of those topics are something that's not healthy for you to hear about, please, 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 I encourage you, exit now and do not listen to this episode. I don't want this episode to be something that's triggering or unhealthy for you. Um, please don't don't listen if those are very triggering topics for you. Okay, so to start today's discussion, first of all, I just want to define body image. Most of us kind of have an idea of what body image is, like we've heard the term, we've seen it on social media, Um, pretty self-explanatory, but the Google, because that's what we all use, um, the Google definition for body image is the subjective picture or mental image of one's own body. Um, So basically, it's like how we view our bodies, right? So the reason I wanted to define body image first is because that's sort of where we're going to start today's story slash conversation. I want to share at least some of the details. I'm not going to explain every little detail about my experience, But I do want to share a bit about my body image story and um, how that fed into other topics that we'll be discussing in today's episode. So when I was younger, like when I was a kid, um, I really, I wasn't all that conscious about my body's size. I was pretty small, (laughs) like when I was in elementary school, as I started getting into I believe like fifth and fourth, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, I started gaining more weight, but I wasn't really conscious about it. Like I didn't, I didn't really think anything of it. 
Then I got to middle school, and around the age of 12 or 13, I think, um, it's a little blurry because it's been a few years, but um, around 12 or 13, I became more aware of my weight, of my size, and I started noticing for the first time in my life around this age, I started noticing the way that other people would look at me, how other people viewed me or judged me. It wasn't anything too severe. Like I wasn't, as far as I remember, I was never directly bullied over my weight. But if you have, you know, if you are a bigger person living in this world, um, you, you know the experience of being looked at and how you know people are always looking at you and you're just hyper aware of it like like you become aware of how people view you and judge you and it's very subtle it's very I think is it overt or covert it's the one that's more subtle you know what I mean like you just you notice that people are noticing your weight and around that time again age 12 or 13 um when I went for I remember this specifically not the details of it, but I remember going for my annual exam, and I remember my doctor, and he tried to be polite about it, but I mean, how are you polite about this kind of a thing? Um, he basically told me that I was obese based on my BMI. So if you don't know what BMI is, BMI stands for Body Mass Index, and it's basically a mathematical equation that determines how obese you are, and it's used in medicine. They'll always like ask for your height and your weight, and then they calculate the BMI pretty much automatically. Um, and there's a lot of issues with BMI, first of all. Um, and it's honestly really annoying that we still use it in modern medicine, because, I mean, it was developed by a mathematician, not a physician. This was in the early 19th century, so it's like over 200 years old. It And it doesn't really take into account the proportions of like bone, muscle, and fat. So um, basically what that means is that a person with strong bones, good muscle tone, and a low fat will still have a high BMI. So it doesn't even really measure your quote-unquote obesity or fatness. It's just, it's all around, it, it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but um, all that said, this is not a talk about the BMI scale specifically, so I digress, but I, I don't like that we still use the BMI scale, and honestly, I, I find, and I believe, in my opinion, it's more harmful than it is useful or relevant, but let's let's get back to my story. So my doctor told me, that based on my BMI at the time, I was considered obese. And I remember him showing me like a chart or something, and he showed how I was in the obese category. And he was concerned about my weight at that time. And if I remember correctly, he actually recommended weight loss as well, which I just, part of me thinks that's weird. It's very common, not weird as in like, he is, Okay, what am I trying to say? <laughs> like, it's very common for doctors to prescribe weight loss. I just think it's weird that we even have it, like, it's a thing that doctors prescribe weight loss. 
Like, that doesn't really seem like something to prescribe. But anyway, again, I digress. <laughs> it was... And also, remember, I was, like, 13. I was 13, you guys. And, um... I don't remember everything about the appointment, but I do remember that it made me feel really bad about myself. And so around 13, I decided that being my size was not acceptable, and I set out to lose weight. And again, I don't remember the details, so I can't tell you like how much I weighed at the time. I don't think I was like, I don't even know, but the point of this is that like people basically made me feel like it wasn't okay to be the size that I was and I took on the belief that my size was not acceptable and so I that's when I set out to lose weight I was like I'm gonna lose this weight like I need to lose this weight and again I was 13 you guys and I'm like there's something wrong with me I need to lose all this weight Honestly, also, that time in my life is just, it's sort of a blur, and I don't remember all of the details of it, but I do remember that I would, and this is like trigger warning, I know I put it in the beginning of the episode, but this is where it's going to get start getting into more of the details, just in case you guys are listening and you're a little nervous about going forward, like this is where we're going to start getting into more of the details of what I did and what happened and all of that. So I do remember that I would work out a lot, like to the point of exhaustion, and I would still feel like it wasn't enough, like I hadn't worked out enough. And like I had asthma at the time as well, and I remember like I would tell myself, I'm like, you just got to push through it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I had asthma attacks, like I had activity-induced asthma, which means it only came on when I would work out but I would like push through that to the point so like asthma you can barely breathe and I would still keep going like it was bad and I would I would also work out as a punishment after binge eating and then I would feel immense shame over the binge eating and I thought that there was something wrong with me for eating like I thought the problem was that I like my eating that I was eating too much and to some extent with binge eating, it, it is that you're eating too much because you've lost sense of hunger cues. But what I didn't realize is that, um, or, okay, one sec, let me backtrack. <laughs> so I thought there was something wrong with me for eating. And, like, I thought there was something wrong with me because I, I would lose control. And I thought that that was really shameful. I was like, like, why can't you control how much you eat? Like, what's wrong with you? That was my mentality towards myself and I never realized until a lot later in life that the problem was not my hunger the problem was that I was under eating and then that caused me to get to points where I was that underfed that malnourished that like I would binge which is ultimately like I said that's what triggered the binge eating and then I would feel guilty if I binge ate Um, And then I would punish myself through working out to the extreme. And I felt shame about all of it, but it was a vicious cycle. And the crazy part is that I remember learning about eating disorders in health class as well. Sorry if you guys heard that. There was like a notification on my computer. But yeah, I learned about eating disorders in my health class. 
And it never dawned on me, even as I was going through this vicious cycle over and over and over, never dawned on me that my eating was disordered. I thought that because I, I didn't make myself feel up or I didn't starve myself completely, that what I was doing was normal. Like, I, I had no idea that my eating was disordered. I thought it was normal. And the congratulations that I kept getting from everyone around me for my weight loss, it just further reinforced my beliefs that what I was doing gained me more social approval. Like, it basically conditioned me to believe, oh my gosh, what I'm doing is working, I'm getting more approval from people. And I didn't say it, it doesn't matter, but um, I, at 13, going on to like 14 or 15, I lost, I believe, 45 pounds. Um, I think I was around 160 or so at 13, and I got down to around 120-ish, which was not healthy for me. Um, everyone's body is different, but that weight was not healthy for me. Um, but yeah, like I said, I got a lot of congratulations from people. Um, just like congratulating me on the weight loss and I realized that I was liked better I was more accepted in society um, at school I felt and this is the message that I took from it all and that I was conditioned to believe is that I was more more worthy when I was thin it, it in the weight loss reinforced it in me um, with the social messaging and everything. I'm not proud of that by any means, but that's honestly, that's the mentality that I had at the time. And I just, I look back and it's so sad to think that I had that mentality and I'm still struggling to deprogram that part of my brain now. And like I said, looking back, it's so crazy how body image was never negative for me, like my body image was never negative until I finally started noticing society's repulsion to fat people, to people who weigh more, it, like society's repulsion to weight. And to be clear, I'm not saying that with any type of shame, society's repulsion to fat people. Fatness is not shameful. Fatness alone does not cause disease either. It's not something to fear. And yet that is the internal belief that causes so many disordered behaviors, mentalities, and eventually health problems, ironically, for me later on in my life. This, this internal fear of gaining weight. Fatness is not something that we should be afraid of. But when you internalize that belief, it, it can cause all kinds of behaviors that like consciously, you know, it's not really normal, but you're also getting all kinds of positive reinforcement from society and people outside of yourself that like normalize it. And it's just, it's, yeah, body image, if it becomes distorted and if body image becomes an object of shame for you, it, it can be so detrimental to your health. And the social shame that we have surrounding the word fat is so toxic 
and the anti-obesity campaigns. They're just simply fat shaming, hiding under the false guise of like caring about people's health. Like, oh, I but I just care about people's health. But the campaigns themselves, they're so shaming. They make someone feel ashamed of their body. It's like making people feel ashamed of their bodies, criminalizing them due to their size. That's not caring about people's health. That's actually very harmful. Very, very harmful. I am proof of that. Additionally, correlation does not equal causation, right? So like just because chronic conditions like heart disease or diabetes, to name two of the most common ones, just because those types of chronic conditions are correlated to quote-unquote obesity, as in like our medical definition of obesity. So honestly, I'm not a fan of the word. Just personally, it, it seems very shaming due to the negative connotations within our society. I, I don't like the word obesity or obese. That aside, <laughs> um, the correlation of these things, these chronic conditions like heart disease, diabetes, and obesity as a medical term, the correlation of those two things does not automatically mean that a person's weight is what's causing those diseases. Like, when you assume that that's the causation, right, like, you're missing out on all kinds of other social aspects, social determinants, that could also be causing those types of conditions in populations of people who are deemed medically obese. So, (laughs) let me break that down, kind of. So, for an example, just like a reflective question, maybe instead of a person's weight being what makes them more at risk for chronic conditions like heart disease or diabetes, perhaps, just maybe, the social toll of living in a world that shames you for existing the way that you exist, maybe that could be a factor, right? Like, do people even think about that? Perhaps being told your whole life that you're going to die because of your weight, because your weight isn't within socially acceptable ranges, despite the fact that these ranges vary from culture to culture, time period to time period. It's almost like the real disease etiology, or cause, is the social stigma and the anti-fatness that we have within our society. It's almost like that is the reason that fat people are more at risk of developing chronic conditions because of the constant stress that they have to like manage on a daily basis because they live in a world that doesn't accept them for who they are and instead decides to criminalize them for who they are, for existing within their own body. Perhaps that's more of a health risk than the fat itself. So, here's what I'm going to say. Even if if you're listening and you disagree with some of what I just said, despite what your personal beliefs are on weight, it's never okay to comment on another person's body because you don't know their story. And the positive feedback that I received after my weight loss which I achieved through disordered eating and behaviors. I just want to make that very, very clear. Okay, the positive feedback that I received after that weight loss, that played a very key role in my mental conditioning. 
And that mental conditioning caused me to believe that my worth was tied to my weight. And that fundamental belief led to a lot of other unhealthy spiraling and confusion and feeling worthless. No matter how hard I tried, it led to a a never-ceasing need to lose weight. Not when I started skipping meals. Not when I started considering if I should start abusing laxatives. Not when I would get angry at myself for not being able to make myself throw up. Not when I worked my body beyond the point of exhaustion. Not when I stunted my development and lost my period. I'm still struggling with that, by the way. I never stopped feeling, or sorry, I never stopped trying to feel more worthy. And it damaged my relationship to food, my relationship to my body, and even it, it damaged my ability to socialize because my life revolved around food and my eating schedule or not eating and working out. That was my life. And I I have to fight that conditioning every day still. These are all things, like I said, that I'm still actively working on to repair. And I'm still healing all of it because that conditioning doesn't just go away. In fact, I face triggers very often, even now. And I didn't even openly acknowledge that I had disordered eating that I had an ED, eating disorder, until about one year ago. I think it was even less than a year ago. I started this when I was 13, and I didn't realize or acknowledge it until I was 20. Seven years later. Why? Because a lot of what I did, it's become so normalized in our society. It's normalized to count calories, to watch what you eat. We're marketed weight loss all the time. There's programs and fad diets and shakes and skinny teas. It's exhausting. And the messaging is all around screaming at you, saying you aren't enough unless you're thin enough. But then if you aren't thin enough, you don't have enough of an ass or enough on top, and it's, it's impossible. And this, of course, is being beauty standards, and I'm, I'm talking about the beauty standards that's specifically marketed towards women. And there's, I'm, but I mean, there's standards for men as well. You have to be strong enough, and that feeds into toxic masculinity. And then what about non-binary people? They're told that they aren't masculine enough, or they aren't feminine enough, or whatever else enough, and it's all impossible. But... My point is, is that it's never okay to comment on another person's body. You may be well-intentioned, but please don't do it. People's bodies are the least interesting thing about them. We need to stop treating people like they're the sum of their body and nothing more. Like they're the sum of their appearance and nothing more. There's so much more to people. Maybe a comment on how they brighten up a room, or how confident they are, or how much you love their energy or their essence. But saying, 
you look so good. Congratulations on the weight loss. It's not the compliment that you think it is. And if you think that no one says that kind of a thing, that's an exact quote of something that I was told after my weight loss. Okay, so let's move on to food relationships, which is similar. Um, So the way that you relate to food, it impacts so much. And I think that if you've never dealt with any type of disordered eating or like mentalities, um, it's really hard to understand that like you do have a relationship to food. Um, So my relationship with food has been severely impacted by my past and I still struggle a lot with food relationships. In fact, there's many times that, and again, I'm not proud of it, but there are many times that I forget to eat or I skip a meal because I feel like I already ate too much that day Um, or I, I want to skip a meal, but I have to like sort of force myself to eat a meal because I know I'm hungry. And I'm like, like, I'm not proud of it. I'm working on it. My relationship to food has often been very, very restrictive. Um, I used to be vegan, and that really limited my food intake. I don't think that veganism in itself is necessarily unhealthy. But for me personally, paired with the disordered eating mindsets and behaviors at the time, it, it further perpetuated my food restriction tendencies, in, again, in my experience. So, a, a lot, like I said, a lot of people who have never really experienced this sort of thing often have a hard time understanding why people fall into restrictive, disordered, or under-eating patterns, because it is kind of hard to understand if you haven't experienced it, or I would imagine it's probably hard to understand, um, I never had, it's really interesting because I sort of have like two, well not just two, but looking back at my past, like before 13, right, that's my guess of about when this all started. Before then, like my relationship to food was just like I ate when I was hungry and I ate what I wanted to eat and it was like freedom. It was like food freedom is what I think of it. Since 13, I don't think I've achieved food freedom yet. I'm still working on getting there, I guess. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's hard for people to understand what it's like. I know that like when I was younger, I mean, granted, I was, I was a child. <laughs> I was younger, so probably wouldn't have understood anyway. But I think it would have been hard for me to understand like in that phase of my life um, what like how restrictive eating comes about or how the food relationships are different um, compared to like how it is for me now. Um, But I guess that's kind of why I want to share my experience, you know, like maybe it'll enlighten some some people who are curious. Um, It's also just very healing for me to speak my truth like this. And to be fair, this is not everyone's experience. Right, like this is just simply my experience, and that's all. So I want to keep this brief, and I'm going to use a little bit of discernment because I know now 
that my worth does not come from my need to overshare. <laughs> Your girl has done some healing. <laughs> um, but for me, I believe that the disordered eating was about control and about shame. I felt shame for my body and I wanted to seek a way to control that because it was unbearable, right? Like the shame was unbearable. I didn't have the emotional tools or the emotional support at the time to cope with that type of shame that came from living in a world that didn't accept myself. So instead, I decided to quote unquote fix what I identified the problem to be or what society identified the problem to be, which was my weight. Of course, the real culprit was the shame, but again, I didn't have the emotional intelligence at the time to recognize that. And to be clear, even, even with the emotional intelligence, even if I had that, it's incredibly hard to process that type of shame. And I think it's really hard to understand that type of shame unless you've experienced it firsthand. But I couldn't control the feelings that I was having due to the societal shame that I was experiencing, but I could control what I ate. And my mentality at the time was that I could quote-unquote fix myself by controlling the weight as well. So I felt shame and I was seeking control in a situation where I felt otherwise helpless. Um, so I could control what I ate and I could, I told myself I could control the weight as well. And the more that I restricted, the more normalized it became and the more extreme I became in my methods and my approaches to controlling this um, self-deemed issue. So it was about losing weight, but it was more so about seeking control when I felt that I had no control in my life. Um, it was trying to control my like social image. You know, like I was trying to feel worthier when I felt unworthy. And I associated thinness with worthiness. I thought, once I lose weight, then I'll be happy. You know, the funny thing is, not really funny, but once I lost the weight, I didn't feel happy. I got the praise to reinforce my beliefs at the time, so I continued my disordered behaviors and eating patterns. Um, I never really felt thin enough, so I continued that, continually trying to lose more and more weight, even when it became, you know, very unhealthy for me to lose more weight. Um, but I also, I found new things to quote-unquote fix and hyper-fixate on. So um, suddenly I wasn't stylish enough. And then my skin wasn't clear enough. And then I didn't know enough about makeup. And it wasn't, my makeup at the time wasn't good enough. So I had to fix that too. And clearly there was something wrong because I wasn't desired enough by boys, right? And I, I say boys because that's my personal sexual orientation. I'm heterosexual. 
I do not say it to perpetuate harmful gendering of universal experiences, you know, and that, that universal experience, of course, is social acceptance and approval and the desire to be desired by someone or a group of people that you like. So for me, I wanted to be enough to be desired by men. And I thought that there was something inherently wrong with me because that's the social messaging I took on through all of this. And I had this need to control external things so that I didn't have to face the internal things like the shame or the insecurity or the feeling inadequate or the fear of being seen, the fear of rejection. And so instead of facing all those internal things, I focused on fixing external things like my skin or my style or my makeup or my body. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the mentality I had. It's very unhealthy. I'm going to skip forward now in my journey to more recently. So I haven't had a regular period yet. I got my first period at 16, which is on the later end of when you get your first period. Um, yeah, technically my first period was 16. I'm 21 now, and I have yet to have a regular period. I have had phases where I'll get it consistently, like pretty much monthly or at least every other month for maybe like six months, and then it goes away for another six plus months. Um, 21, never had a regular period. When I went to see my doctor, I was prescribed birth control, and I tried that for a while, and I hated it, <laughs> absolutely hated it. I decided to um, stop that, and I've since been trying to get my period back naturally, because here's the thing with hormonal birth control, specifically the pill. And first of all, also a disclaimer that this is a personal decision for every person to make for themselves, right? Like there's nothing wrong with being on the pill if that's what's best for you. I want to make that very, very clear. But my own personal issue with the pill for regulating my period is that it sort of, it masks the problem by curing the symptom. So the symptom is amenorrhea which is the medical term for basically a lack of a period, right? The deeper problem is whatever is causing that symptom, whatever is causing my lack of a period. And it's something that I've been trying to figure out for a while. And I am not going to go into detail about what I've been trying um, in order to try to figure out what's causing the amenorrhea. But I do believe it's 100%, at least in some respect, related to or perpetuated by my history of disordered, restrictive, and undereating, as well as my tendency now to occasionally get triggered and skip meals or um, undereat. And I don't realize I'm doing it unless I'm very, very conscious of the food that I'm eating, which is a daily practice. I'm still living with the ramifications of my body hatred and punishment from when I was 13. 
I'm still living with the ramifications of my disordered and negative body image, though I will say, to give myself credit, I've improved quite a lot in terms of my body image, but the issues are still there. And I'm still living with the physical manifestations of being malnourished for years. I don't have a regular period. And I know a lot of people would say that not having a period sounds great, but it's not. Not having a period puts me at a greater risk for developing endometrial cancer, for starters, as well as other types of reproductive cancers, because if you're not shedding regularly, that can cause issues. It's hard to face the shame and the blame that I feel for doing this to myself. I'm not going to cry, I promise, but um, it does make me emotional. I have to face that daily. Not having a period makes me feel defective, like I am broken. And if I ever wanted to get pregnant, which I don't, I don't particularly think that I want kids, but if I did, I would struggle with infertility. There's a lot of consequences and inconveniences to not getting your period, especially when it's most likely due to a history of disordered eating. So when we talk about bodies and we talk about weight, can we just like not, (laughs) you know, like I never knew that there was anything wrong with my body until middle school. And it's not that I started becoming conscious of it because I suddenly gained weight. I just became aware of the social messaging telling me that I was not going to be accepted that way. I think about how different my life trajectory could have been if we lived in a world where people were taught, kids were taught, people believed, people were taught that their bodies were the least interesting thing about them. How different things may have been if the comments praising my weight loss hadn't reinforced my dysfunctional mentalities about body image and food relationships. How different things could be if we all stopped feeling like we have any right to comment on other people's bodies or lifestyle choices. Anti-obesity programs and campaigns are not helpful, they are shameful, and they further perpetuate the problem. And ironically, all of these weight loss programs that are trying to market health are actually further causing disease. My recovery right now, it isn't about weight loss or eating less or being more active, which is what we're all told, right? Like, we're like, Oh, just like, like you got to lose weight or you got to watch what you eat or you have to exercise more. That's the prescription for health. My recovery now is about rest and it's about eating more. My recovery is about getting my period back. Being left mostly alone in the process, by the way, of figuring out how to do so. Because, I mean, the only medical option that I've been given thus far is to take birth control pills, which I don't personally want to take. Again, it's a personal choice. I don't really have other options, medically speaking, so I'm left kind of in the dark on my own trying to figure out how to get my period back. 
as I'm also trying to heal from everything. I'm in the process of reconditioning my brain to allow myself to eat enough. Let me say that again because I think that's a powerful sentence. The process of reconditioning my brain to allow myself to eat enough. I'm relearning how to read hunger cues because it's really hard for me to know when I'm hungry or when I'm full. So I'm relearning how to listen to my body instead of my brain in terms of how much I should eat or when I should or shouldn't eat. It's hard and it's exhausting and it's daily and it's really, really sad how common and how normalized unhealthy weight loss behaviors have become. And the consequences that so many of us end up facing if and when we get caught up in all of it. I know that this episode was a lot and it was very personal and there were a lot of triggering topics, taboo topics, and I'm honestly, I'm honestly, it's just really dawning on me. I'm really terrified to release this episode. However, that said, (laughs) younger me, younger Rachel, could have really benefited from hearing this kind of a story. And maybe, just maybe, it could have helped her realize that some of her behaviors actually weren't healthy, even if they were normalized. Maybe she would have thought twice about the articles that she was reading from well-intentioned diet bloggers. I want to open up about this because I think that sharing stories is powerful. Maybe some of you will have learned something or felt less alone listening to this episode. I also just wanted to share my story because acknowledging what I've went through is really healing for me. For so many years, I wasn't really able to acknowledge it, and it felt like it wasn't socially acceptable to openly admit that I had a history of disordered eating. I believe 100% that this is more common than people realize, and the more that we keep quiet about it, about these types of things, the more that we don't share our stories, the more that we don't talk about it, the further we perpetuate it and the issues. Having struggled with this type of thing shouldn't be shameful. It shouldn't. We should not shame people for struggling with this. We need to hold space for people who have or currently still are struggling with this type of thing. We need to acknowledge the socialization that we all receive that is highly fat phobic because that is the real threat to health. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Um, truly, I'm, I'm always grateful for your support, but if you listen to this entire episode, thank you so much for taking the time to hear my story. I just can't thank you enough for that. Make sure to check out, this is hard to do like a self-promo outro after an emotional topic, but make sure to check out the description box for any additional details, um, all like social handles and links. And please, 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 please 
If this episode spoke to you, I would really appreciate it if you could share it on your social media, because again, I think stories are powerful. Um, If you do share it on your Instagram stories, please tag the podcast at Empowered Healing Podcast. It's in the show notes. Um, Yeah, and I guess with all that said, I'll just talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye, guys.